This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers-Browns Monday night is a loser-leaves-town affair. Well, I mean, not really. They won't kick the Steelers out of Pittsburgh if they lose, but they won't be in the playoff race, at least with an actual realistic shot heading into Week 18 if they drop this game to the Browns. So this game is huge for both of these teams, but there's still something kind of overshadowing this game that's more than just winning a football game to stay alive in the playoff race. This could potentially be... Big Ben Roethlisberger's last home game in front of the Steelers faithful at Heinz Field. Yes, they could win out. The Browns could then help you in Week 18 by beating the Bengals, and you get into the playoffs as the AFC North champion, and Ben gets a home game in the playoffs. But if you're on the fence right now and you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, maybe it's his last game, but do I really want to drive an hour and a half to Pittsburgh and buy tickets to go see it? They could make the playoffs. Maybe I'll go to that game. Or you know what? He's been if they make the playoffs, maybe it's because he played incredibly well and maybe he'll come back next year and then I can come and I've eight more games or maybe nine more games to choose from to see Big Ben play again in Heinz Field. I love that line of thinking and I want to subscribe to that line of thinking, but just being honest with you guys, I'd buy that ticket. I'd make that drive. I'd get to Heinz Field if you could this uh coming Monday night against the Brownies because I have a really strong feeling this will be the last time you see him suit up in that black Steelers jersey and run through that Heinz Field tunnel. Without a shadow of a doubt, if you and I weren't here working this game, I'd be there. I'd do everything in my power to be there. I'd be tier 500, row 500. Even I don't if I care. couldn't get into the stadium, I'd be down there that day. I'd be like on just the float, concourse, just floating around. What about what about like? Oh, you're just saying it just outside Heinz the field. stadium. Yeah, I'd be there that day just, if because I, the if I couldn't energy get lucky would, enough to get in. The energy would would penetrate the walls of Heinz Field. It would it would it would go beyond those walls, right? It's a weird one though because it's not like a for sure thing. So it's not like you can really bill it as it's, the last it's on game. The, I, I you feel just like have the to writing is it. on the wall, right? But the team itself can't be like, "This is it, last chance to see Ben." Like, farewell to Ben. Say goodbye to your Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, you can't do that because it's not a for sure thing yet. Ben hasn't decided yet. But you gotta see that writing on the wall as a fan and say, "Yeah, it's probably it." One thing a lot of people pointed out was he had his family come travel with him to Kansas City. Something he never really has them do, which I guess some players are more comfortable having some of that writing on the wall. You're talking family, about right? right. Some players like to have their family travel with them. Ben, with his young kids, I guess didn't or or hasn't, and especially with COVID, maybe you want to risk or you want to minimal, yeah. you want to minimize your time spent traveling. But I mean, you go to Miami that week, you go to that LA, makes sense. Christmas in LA, but you're going to Kansas, Kansas City, City in December. Missouri? Ew. I mean, I know it was like 60 degrees out, but it was... good barbecue, but what else you got? I, I feel like the writing was on the wall there. And to be in your last game, potentially, I I, I just feel like this is it. I, I feel like there has been so much... There's been, there's been so much writing on the wall. There's been so much just obvious evidence that this is going to be it like there's just been nothing to suggest otherwise right no I think this is it um even some of his body language in the games of late because he's just been getting absolutely abused behind that well it certainly doesn't help when he gets sacked he's been surviving behind an offensive line all year long that he should not be be playing behind at such an advanced age and like we said on an episode we did earlier this week 
that you can check out at Steelers.com or wherever you find your podcasts. The offensive line hasn't been getting better. There's been no improvement. In fact, as far as pass protection goes, it's been getting worse. He's been getting abused more so in the past couple weeks than he has been all year long. I mean, the Titans and the Vikings game, uh, I felt like crimes were being committed against Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, yes. that Harrison Smith sack is oh still my burned gosh. into That'll my memory. Bur- that, that will be that, a bad lasting memory. Do you think that was the la- do you think that's the last one he'll remember? Do you think probably. that you think that's, that's the probably one unless Miles Garrett gets him in this one. Commits a, a felony and and manslaughter or, or attempted manslaughter like he did with Mason Rudolph, that'll probably be the hardest hit he'll suffer. Like I, I like, think that he'll that he'll remember for a long time. That might be the one where if he was on the fence at all He's laying on the ground when Harrison Smith gets up off of him, and he's like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> like, I really think that that might have been the nail in the coffin. I one. saw something on Twitter about just like this little mini fan-created highlight reel of Ben being mobile in the pocket. Oh, he's amazing. You, that's what sucks about all of this is, is that because he's a shell of himself of right. what he used to be. Your recency bias is going to it's force going to come you. Into your head. Yeah. Is going to force you to f- remember Ben as this old curmudgeon in the pocket, unable to create plays on his own with his feet, with his spontaneity, and allow his receivers to get open, What, no matter who it was. He did it his entire career, whether it was Plex, Heinz Ward, Heath Miller, A.B., Lev Bell, and now Najee Deontay. Doesn't, like, he, he did it for everyone. Now, it's just so far for you between. Like, you would see a, a scramble by Ben, what, three or four or five times per game? Something like that. Now you're seeing it three or four times a season. Jacob, some of the montages I've seen on Twitter, just, you know, when, because there's no official announcement, but when the tide started to turn in the favor of this is probably going to be his last season, and then that Schefter report broke, obviously, mm-hmm. the pump fakes are Unbelievable! Like he still throws some of them this year. He's and you go, lost. Wow, that looks pretty. But he, he dude, now this year dude. again, it's it's a shelf of those. He 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 doesn't have that same grip on the ball, and he loses some of those fumbles. And you've seen them be recovered by the defense. But yes, I know what you mean. And is in the peak of his prime. It's no one else could ever do could it. do that. I, no one else pump faked like Ben Roethlisberger. I honestly think that's what he'll go into the Hall of Fame. He might be the best pump fake of all time. And he used it so much. Like, on some of the vintage highlights back in his prime, like, mm-hmm. he's pumping four times on one play. Like, boom, boom, The amount of boom. times. Like, it's not, you know how a quarterback, they make reads, they show, they try to look safeties off with their right. eyes. They they see if someone's open, and if he's not, they move on. It's like Ben does that with his ball. Like, are, is he open? No, he's not. And he pulls it back. And then he's like, is he open? No, he's not. And then he pump fakes and pulls it back. Like The amount of times he duped Billy Hillgrove in those calls. <laughs> Billy Hillgrove, or national media, whoever's calling the game on CBS, the Fox. Camera, or, the camera would right, the, the cameraman, field. too. Great point. You would see, and it's like, oh, no, get, get back to Ben. He, he still has the ball. I, I think you're right. I think you're spot on. The best pump fake in, in NFL history. What a cool thing to have in your pocket, too, is that, and like, no one did it the way Ben did it. Like, of course quarterbacks pump fake, but it's usually like, Brady drops back to pass, he pump fakes in the slot, and it's by design, and then he immediately turns to his other guy, and then the timing route's on, and the safety's gonna bite all the time, because you expect him to off of that pump fake. With Ben, it's just, it seemed like it was all improvisational, and it seemed like it was all like, Oh, of course. I'm just going to try to do this as much as possible because I know 
I have the hand strength and the hand size to get away with it. And I'm big and strong enough and have the mobility to get away from pressure. That's the other thing that was so amazing about him back in the day. The toughest guy to sack in the entire NFL. Even though he got sacked a lot playing behind those bad offensive lines when he was young. The most that, sacked quarterback in NFL that history. That BA offense because he'd hold on to the ball. Remember, folks, Ben Roethlisberger used to hold on to the ball for like four seconds, five seconds in the pocket. No longer. No, no that, I mean, that was one of his biggest criticisms was the fact he that he held on to the long. ball for far too long, yeah. Which was a dumb criticism in hindsight because how many plays did he make because of, of that course. as opposed to the sacks he took? Of it course. Far outweigh- the positive far outweighed the negative for that, as it does with every elite quarterback who holds on to the ball for too long. Like Once you reach a certain level, I don't think the criticism he holds on to the ball too long really applies anymore. Like, Do you think Patrick Mahomes holds on to the ball too long? No. Like... You think anyone's going to ever criticize him for doing that? Sure, he gets sacked sometimes because he's back there for six seconds, but nine times out of ten, he's going to wait until Kelsey gets wide open back there and he's going to hit him for a 50-yard gain. Like Ben Roethlisberger used to be able to do all of those things, Mm -hmm. and it's important that we don't forget that as we come towards the end here or potentially come towards the end here and remember just how elite and there's a reason why he's on the first ballot when he gets into the Hall of Fame. And yeah, it is those two rings. They definitely help validate him. But the improvisation ability in the pocket, the ability to just shake off linebackers like Terrell Suggs like they were nothing, the ability to extend plays and pump fake 18 times and get somebody open and have receivers improvise and point receivers to start moving other ways. He was like, the, the closest I can think of, and he's not him because he's just bigger and stronger, is Brett Favre? He just played schoolyard football, man. Right, like he just like a kid. Exactly, yeah. like you're out in the playground, and it's not exactly like I'm the most technically sound quarterback, but I'm making you a play all mm-hmm. the time. So, yeah, was he a little more protective of the football than Brett Favre? Of course, not many quarterbacks threw as many interceptions as Brett Favre. In fact, I think he's thrown the most ever. Who do you think? But he reminds me of that kind of sure, cut I from get that, that cloth. Who do you think is the defender? Over the course of Ben's 18-year career, Ooh, great who has been most frustrated by Ben's improv? It's got to be a Raven, right? It's got to be. I think it's got to be Suggs or Lewis. Suggs was Suggs and Ben. I would even go Suggs, Suggs and over Ben Lewis. came into the league in the same year. Yeah, that's why I'd go Suggs over Lewis because it's just like when Lewis retired, Suggs was still there, still torment. They were still tormenting. I think if you asked Ben, that's the rivalry he probably respects. It also the most. felt like Suggs got to Ben more. Like sacked him more than most people applied. Do. Well, I'm just saying directly to Ray Lewis. I also love applied the fact, more QB hits, QB pressures. Well, that makes sense too, considering the positions that they play. But I also just love the play in Baltimore. Twenty and ten, two thousand ten, right before the uh, the uh, was it Isaac Redman who got that touchdown, or was it Jonathan Dwyer? I can't remember who got the touchdown. One of those two guys. Ben's nose completely effed up. No flag, no flag on the play. Like we talked about, Miles Garrett, the manslaughter attempt. If there, if there was a helmet in Terrell Suggs's hand, it'd be just as bad, if not worse. If the, compare, say there wasn't a, a, a helmet in Miles Garrett's hand, and it's just the slap by Terrell Suggs, the slap by Miles Garrett, hand versus hand. We're talking about Terrell Suggs's slap far more than we ever did talk about Miles Garrett. But Ben gets away from Suggs. He extends that play. I mean... That's the beauty of that play, Tom, is the fact a... that it it was an incomplete pass, but we'll remember it forever because Ben's ability to escape Terrell Suggs' hold... Literally, a hold and a broken nose 
were suffered on that play. No flags were called. Incomplete pass, but that play still is remembered so fondly by Steelers fans. So fondly. I'll never forget that play. Never. And it's just because that play is a perfect one for trying to show someone who Ben was mm-hmm. if they haven't seen him. Because it just shows this is one of the most feared pass rushers, linebackers in the league in Terrell Suggs. And Ben just shrugs him off like it's nothing. Like like it's Ben Jr. playing mm-hmm. with dad in the backyard. Ben just pushes him away because he was just that tough of a guy to bring down and was almost like trying to tackle a linebacker whenever mm-hmm. you actually did get to him. So can't let those memories go by the wayside just because there might only be one more opportunity for memories at Heinz Field this coming Monday night. Last time the Browns came to Pittsburgh, they beat Ben Roethlisberger for the first time in his own dojo at Heinz Field in the playoff game. Now, granted, his own dojo wasn't at full strength. There weren't mm-hmm. fans in the stands. Couldn't get all of the injured nation waving those terrible towels and creating a crazy environment for Baker Mayfield and the Browns to have to go into for their first ever playoff game. But that changes this Monday night. Yeah, so you I get the crowd on you, your side. You pointed now. this out to me in you a previous episode. You get the Ben episode. Roethlisberger farewell game crowd on your side. You pointed this out to me in a previous episode. It starts. It starts in in the pregame warmups, right? When you're out there, and first of all, in the regular season, there are fans in the stands as early. If it's a one p.m. kickoff, there are fans in the stands as early as I think like ten o'clock in the morning. There are certainly people on the North Shore earlier I think than the that. Stadium opens at eleven. But I get what you're saying. They're in there as early as they can a- be. A- there are people on the North Shore even far earlier. Oh, like 8 a.m. Yeah. For a playoff game? Parking lots open around 8 a.m. For a playoff game? That I was can't at Im- night? That was at night? I can't imagine how many people would have been there during pregame warm-ups when, when the off... Regardless if it was the offense or the defense, I don't know because they go back and forth of, of who gets to run out the tunnel and, and be introduced to the fans. With all of that in mind, the uh, with an actual crowd there, I can't imagine Marquise Pouncey has that snap, that bad snap. And without that bad snap, I can't imagine the Browns have the 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 motivation or or the momentum on their side enough to get them that win. Baker Mayfield was playing in his first ever playoff game, and he didn't have to deal with any communication issues. He didn't have to deal with no, any right. crowd noise on the. Could road. you imagine how loud that place would have been would have to been distract Baker Mayfield? Like. It's a zoo no matter what in the sure. playoffs. But when the Browns come to town in the playoffs, I mean, that barely happens. When the Browns happens. come to town in the regular season. It's crazy. But if you add a playoff game into that factor, oh my God, it would have been absolutely Like what you'll see on Monday night is what you should have seen, is what you would have seen in that playoff. I'm game. hopeful that that's the case. I'm hopeful that it's 65,000 strong, yellow towels Are you everywhere. saying because of COVID you think it may not? I think that's all I think that's been a factor all year long. I think you've seen some people just decide, you know what, maybe I'm not so ready to come back to the stadium. I mean, stadium has been basically packed the entire season. It's not like they're hurting at all. But I, I think you've seen maybe 5,000 here or there that are just like, yeah, is it really okay to come back yet? So, and plus it's winter time and it's getting a lot worse out there for COVID. So, I could see that potentially being a problem as far as the attendance is concerned. But honestly, I think a lot of Steelers fans are smart, man. I think they know what's going to happen. I think they can read that writing on the wall as well as we can. This might be the last time you get to see him him suit up. I, I think a lot of people are, are in that mindset. The minority are the people that think he might come back next year or he might get them to the AFC North crown and get another playoff home game this year. 
majority of Steelers Nation kind of knows what the deal is here. So I think they'll be turned up and turned out for that. I not to mention you can still make the playoffs if you win. So I I really think the only thing driving or or preventing this from being sixty five thousand, maybe even a little bit more, with the people standing in the in the rotundas, right? Because we know people can buy a ticket just to stand standing there. Only. Um, uh, the only thing standing in the way of this being the rowdiest crowd we've seen in a while is COVID. I think it's going to be one of the rowdiest crowds we've seen in a while, though. I think it I don't ha- think that I is think it's going to be too. I think people are going to as even though people even the people who have been very cautious about COVID, people who have season tickets, are going to say, "I'm not missing Ben Roethlisberger's last home game." No, sir, not me. I'm not going to be the guy in 50 years when my grandkids say, "Grandpa, where were you when Ben Roethlisberger played his last home game on Monday Night Football?" Well, son, I'm glad you I was asked. There. I wasn't there because I was too afraid. Not again. I'm not trying to downplay COVID, but I, I chose yeah, not do, to yeah, go. Don't do that. I chose not to go. I didn't want to see Ben Roethlisberger in his last home game. No, you're gonna want to be able to tell future generations forever that you were there for that. Do you give the ball to him? Uh, I mean, no matter what. what. I mean by that, no matter what, the, the offense is concerned. No matter what, I think that might be. The, it, I stopped myself in my tracks there. I think it might be the best way to beat the Browns through the air, through Ben Roethlisberger. But as I hit that speed bump saying that initially, it's because there's nothing inspiring about the air attack this year. So is that nostalgia that I'm grabbing onto? Oh, is see, that... I'm not saying let him air it out, but I'm saying Matt Canada, sit this one out. Uh, well, I think if he does, Ben is going to want to throw the ball a lot. He'll probably mix in some runs because he does like Najee, but... I, I I don't know if running the ball against this Browns front is the best formula to winning the game anyway. So might as well just give the old gunslinger the ball and say, hey, one last ride, Cowboy. Well, two last rides, but one last ride at Heinz Field, Cowboy. Go out there and sling it. We're going to live and we're going to die by you. I think he's earned that right to have that in his last home game, potentially, in his penultimate game overall, potentially. And I, I think that with Matt Canada's offense and the way the offense has been struggling all year long, there's no reason why you can't do that. Like, if the offense was doing great all year long, then I wouldn't be saying this. They also probably would be better than 8-7-1 and one right now, or 7-7-1, seven, seven and one, excuse me, and would potentially be in a position to make the playoffs. But since the offense has been so porous, and since this is potentially his last ride in front of the home team, I, I just say, you want to go no huddle early. You want to do the two-minute offense all game long. You want to call the majority of the plays. You want to audible out of Canada's calls. You want to overrule him if he calls something you don't like. Man, you got the reins. I'm Mike Tomlin. I trust and have a much better relationship with you than, than I do Matt Canada. Canada. So I let you do whatever you really want. I think it's – I uh, I didn't hesitate when you asked, Tom. I said no matter what. Well, I think we've been on the same page that they should be doing this for a while now, like of for course. the past couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, yeah. But now that we're at the actual finish line, can we please see? Now we're kind of like just begging, like, please, sir, please, may we please see Ben? And it's for multiple. It's for more reasons than just one. It's for more reasons than just. It's his last home game. Like I, I said, like I could use that as my only excuse. It's his last home game. Let him do what he wants. But there is a playoff spot on the line here. And your offense has sucked. You know your offense offense. is better in the hands of Ben Roethlisberger and the no huddle, which Ben likes to operate out of. 
than it is when it's Matt Canada making the play calls. Right. So I think you should just roll it out there, say, hey, every time we gain yardage, whether it's three yards or whether it's 20 yards, run the no huddle. If we get stopped for a negative or if it's an incomplete pass, we can take a breather, we can huddle up, and we can regroup. But any single time you gain positive yardage, I want you right back on that line, keeping that defense on its heels and keeping that defense more basic. That's what Ben's been saying all year long is when he goes no huddle, it's not just easier for them on the offensive side, but it makes the defense kind of play more basic. It makes them play more of their base because they don't have time to sub. They don't have time to signal in new blitz packages. It is so conducive for both sides for Ben on the offense and for Ben reading that opposing defense, that it almost just makes too much sense. And that's why it's been like pulling your hair out, seeing the Steelers not turn them, turn this offense into that kind of offense the past couple of weeks, especially when, I mean, historically bad as mm-hmm. far as starting is concerned. Five straight it's not first histor- halves. It's not historically bad. It's the worst in the franchise's history. Do you know what historically bad means? But I get that, but I feel like people use that term. It means term, the worst in franchise People history. use that term a little loosely. They, they say, oh, this is historically bad, and then it turns out there have been 10 or a dozen instances where they've been worse. This is the worst. The worst they in the 80-plus year history of this franchise. They haven't struggled to score in the beginning of games like this since they were the Pirates. Since they were called the Pittsburgh Pirates before they became the Pittsburgh Steelers. Back in the 40s, man. That's how bad it's been. Offensively and defensively, is this, in our era, is this the worst Steelers team we've seen? I think so. And they're 7-7-1. Seven, seven so right. what does that tell you about this franchise? Well, it's it's been very good since you and I have been around. But I still it's think just so it, hard it really is. Because it's the, the hardest first, team I've had to watch. The first thing that came to mind was the Duck years, or the Duck year and the Rudolph year, but the defense was good that year. Like, the defense was a lot better than it was this At year. At least there was something you could hold your head held high on, yeah, right? Like, if, the, if this year was the same case as that year, we'd be going into this Browns game thinking they can stop the run and that they can win this game with a defensive performance. But... They haven't been able to do that at all recently, so that's why you just question it. And uh, yeah, I'll say this is probably the worst Steelers team I've seen, definitely in recent memory. It's just because there there isn't an aspect of this game since Ben came here for sure. Since Ben's arrival, oh well, because oh three they were six and ten. That's yeah. the worst team that we've. But seen. But you forget about that quickly because it got you Ben. So exactly, completely one bad year for eighteen. Glorious Plus five hundred yeah. years, including two Super Bowls and a third trip. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take that one bad year and all the way back. That's now eighteen years ago. Sure, I'll take it. But I think this is the worst. Ugh, Tom, there's just nothing that I look to on this defense and say maybe it's Cam Hayward and Miles Garrett or Miles Garrett. Wow, Cam Hayward and TJ Watt. I said maybe it's Cam Hayward and Miles. Oh, did Garrett. I say Cam, Hayward, said, Cam, Cam Hayward, Hayward and TJ Watt? Yeah. Sorry. You got Miles Garrett on the mind. I do. He's a scary man. Maybe it's those two guys. So Ben Roethlisberger's got one last chance to make some memories, or at least we're assuming one last chance to make some memories at Heinz Field. Before we wrap up this episode, anything that jumps out to you as far as Ben when you think about him suiting it up at Heinz Field in front of the Steelers faithful, obviously got to a Super Bowl at Heinz Field, beating the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship, got to two Super Bowls at Heinz Field, beating the the Jets. Jets as well. But that Ravens one is especially felt- sweet because you go on and win that Super Bowl. So and the way you wanted to against Super Bowl against clip- the Ravens, you know, yeah. to sweep them on the season three times 
and with winning it by the defense with Troy helping out with that pick six. I mean, that wasn't Ben's effort, but still a great moment for Ben. a great moment for Ben. And just to be able to clinch two Super Bowls in your home stadium is so special. A trip to the Super Bowl. Right. We'll clinch two Super Bowl, like, trips, yeah. Well, I mean, Tom Brady clinched a Super Bowl in his actual stadium stadium. for the first time ever. So, I hate that guy. This guy just has everything. He has everything. And took, and best belief, took some from Ben. I know they didn't meet in the playoffs a lot. Like, it's actually... Few and far between the times they actually did meet and the Patriots beat them. What with, the with with Ben and and Brady specifically, I think it's only twice. But just I think it him, came in his presence being in the AFC. Yeah, ugh. I think the only two times that happened were 2004 and 2016. So close. 04 in, in the AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh. Ugh. 2016, the last time Ben was close to a Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, 2017. I'm going to say 2016 since you were actually in the, in AFC, the AFC Championship, championship game. game you were only year. in the you divisional round. You won yeah. a playoff game that year. You won two, in fact. To if get the there. Steelers win, so, I mean, I know, I already know the answer because I've talked to you about this many times on and off the air. If Jesse, Ga- if Jesse James that's the moment. is ruled, if that catch is ruled a touchdown, that's the moment. They get the number one overall seed. The Patriots have to face Jacksonville, the better team between them and Tennessee. Which we pr- were proven that when the Jacksonville Jaguars should have beat the Patriots in Gillette the very next right. week. It would have been, a, I don't know if the Jags would have beaten the Patriots, but I'm confident it would have been a really good game in that first round where we would have probably just rolled over Tennessee. Rolled over, and then you get the home game. Against right? the you're Patriots, not, you don't have to travel. just got beat up by the Jags. You don't have to travel to New England for the second year in a row for the AC Championship game. Exactly. It changed so much, but also that probably would have been his best moment at Heinz Field, too. Just that comeback, that improbable. Also, too. You got Tom Brady and Gronk, but then, wait, not so fast. We're going to do the Tom Brady right. and Gronk here. Juju's run and catch, uh, that's wiped away from people's memories a lot. Completely. Because of Jesse James, Completely. But it was a phenomenal run and catch. I mean, I'll say this, too. One. Another one that came in a loss, the fake spike against Dallas. I mean, yeah. that was just a total holy crap kind of moment. And then they can't seal the edge, and Ezekiel Elliott runs. Well, that's just that- one moment. I'm years though where like Ben just could have gotten one more. I'll look back to 2015, the year before, the two years before that. Um, if Vontez Perfect isn't Vontez Perfect and ends Le'Veon Bell's season in the final game of the year, Le'Veon Bell is healthy going into the playoffs. Le'Veon Bell is healthy in that Denver game, and it's not. God, what was that guy's name? The guy who fumbled. Ben Tate. No, not Ben Tate. I'm talking about that's 2014. Josh Harris. No, Josh not Harris. Josh Harris. Come on, the Rave, the guy who played for the Steelers in the Ravens game. No, the Ravens. In oh, the oh, you're talking about 2014. I'm saying 2015. Hurt. Okay, Bell got hurt a thousand times. You have to be a so 2014. He got hurt last game of the season. 2015. He got hurt halfway through the season, both times by Vontez Perfect. But I'm talking about in the playoffs in 2015. God, what was this? The running back for the Steelers who fumbled against Denver in the playoffs. I don't know. I, I can't remember his name. He's so relevant. It doesn't matter, honestly, right now. But when you look at Ben Roethlisberger, again, just to put a bow on it all, what a phenomenal career. One of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. I think the best quarterback in the history of the Steelers franchise. So many memories that he gave up. Another one, that Mike Wallace pass against the Ravens in that game to end that game with the death in the end zone. Just a phenomenal comeback effort by Ben. And that was against the Packers. 
Not the Ravens. I think there was one against the Ravens too, but really, yeah, where he caught it in the. Or I'm thinking of Santonio Holmes, where he catches the ball right yes. at the goal line, yes, and he pulls it into his right. chest. That real was fast. A, that was in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, that was a phenomenal game. I mean, yeah, he has been Fitzgerald Toussaint. He has been just. You remember that guy? Absolute. I'm so glad you wasted so much of our time on this episode about Toussaint. When we're trying to glorify Ben Roethlisberger and his potential last home game, do you feel good about that? Do I you do. feel good about making Thank it about you. Fitzgerald Toussaint? Yes, you should. Yes. Any last words about Ben before I wrap this up, or do you just want to go on a soliloquy about Toussaint's fumble? <laughs> Toussaint's fumble. Ben uh, played Toussaint. that game without an arm, by the way, against Denver. He did. Literally, his left arm was hanging off of his body. What can I? What? Ben Roethlisberger is probably the great. I we all love. The Penguins with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. The Pirates run from 2013 to 2015 was as fun as a three-year stretch could be for any sports team maybe ever. But I think I have to owe my general sports happiness to Ben Roethlisberger. If there's no Big Ben, we may have gone another 18 years without a successful team. He was the first real superstar that I can remember watching. Yes, we got, in Pittsburgh. We got Lemieux, but in post- At the very, very end stage. Yeah, we were six and- At the second retire after a second when retirement. he came back in 2000, we were six and five years old. Right. Like, we didn't, didn't really know what was that. happening. But the second retirement, too, is really what I remember after the second retirement. Ben comes in right before Sid, right before that Penguins team gets built up. So he's really the first superstar we get. They really run parallel with each other, though, which is incredible. Yeah. And he wins his, he wins the Super Bowl a couple of years before Sid wins his first cup. But you're right. Like for our generation, he was the jump start. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the Penguins followed and then the Pirates had those runs. But he was the first one that we looked at and said parents and our yeah. people who have seen it before said, That's a guy that you can win with. They I, look I, like a good I team mean, now. How many times were you reminded as a kid by your parents saying The Glory Days? You don't know how bad it was in the 80s and the 90s without a real quarterback. How many times were you reminded of that? We may have that same reality coming to us next year. I think I was reminded about that when my dad when Cordell was out there because he was right, like, Cordell exactly. ain't as bad as you think it could be. Trust me. No, exactly. That's my, that's my point. Mark Malone and all those guys, Bubby Brister, it's just they weren't bad, but they weren't Terry Bradshaw. They weren't Ben Roethlisberger. I really don't want to go back into that wasteland. I don't want to go back. Is there, I don't want to go is back. there another franchise in, in the NFL's history? Yeah, I think the Cowboys are the only other one with with quarterbacks with multiple Super Bowl victories. Aikman and Staubach. Because Bart Starr got two. Brett Favre got one. Aaron Rodgers got one. one. Rodgers could change that. Rodgers could change that. But yeah, I think I, I think want that's to it. say you're right. No. Yeah. The Niners? No. Giants. Phil Sims. No, you, Phil Sims only got one. I think he has two rings. He just wasn't healthy. Right, but for he that wasn't season. the quarterback for so that. So you're gonna do a technicality. Absolutely. You're gonna, I'm gonna say, do a technicality. But he has a ring. He has two rings. Absolutely, I'm gonna be on that technicality. He has two rings. Did he start the game? But he has two rings. So Carson Wentz is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Yes. No. Is A B not a Super Bowl winning wide receiver? That's different. He, was, he caught a he caught a he played in the game. Would Le'Veon Bell not have been a Super Bowl winning running back if he won with the Chiefs last year? Would he have gotten play? a ring? I don't know. Yes, he would have. Are you sure? I think he would have. Carson Wentz has a ring. Phil Simms has a, two rings. I don't like the that. The Giants though. have two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. With two Super Bowl starting quarterbacks. Well, you didn't say that. Okay, well, now I am. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. Jacob Breck, Tom Opperman. We'll talk to you guys next time. Steelers-Browns, Monday night. At Heinz Field, potentially Ben Roethlisberger's last home game. Make sure you buy tickets 
Make sure you're in attendance for that. And we will talk to you guys next time on the Steelers Standard.